sound set. Okay, here we go. We're going live in three, two, one. Grab your mason jars, strap on that apron. It's time for Canning with the Diva, making her mark across the globe, teaching you how to safely preserve delicious recipes. Please welcome your host, Diane Devereaux, the Canning Diva. Thank you for tuning in. This is Diane Devereaux, the Canning Diva, and you are listening to Canning with the Diva. I hope you guys are doing awesome today, and I'm super excited to record this podcast for everybody because I know that what I'm giving you will time up beautifully with the upcoming Thanksgiving holiday. So I have entitled this podcast, Savoring the Flavors of Thanksgiving in a Jar. So we are going to just jump right in. I've got a lot to cover. So those of you that are not driving, definitely grab a pen and pad. And if you happen to be a owner of um, either the Complete Guide to Pressure Canning or the Beginner's Guide to Canning, I'm going to highlight four different recipes today, and they are incorporated within uh, those two books. So for those of you that have not purchased uh, either of those uh, books I've wrote, uh, no worries. Um, I'm going to share the recipes start to finish with you. However, I know that some of you like to follow along and make some notes within your cookbook while we talk. So uh, definitely grab the Complete Guide to Pressure Canning and the Beginner's Guide to Canning, and you can follow along. Um, For those of you that are interested in purchasing, those books are available on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble. Um, I'm even going to share today where I learned uh, a small bookstore in North Carolina is selling uh, Beginner's Guide to Canning. So we'll touch on that here in a little bit. But anyway, um, grab your pen and paper. Let's get started. Okay, so With the Thanksgiving holiday on us, um, I wanted to give you two ways in which you can utilize this information. Um, If you've already went out and did all of your shopping and meal planning and I've caught you, you know, with Thanksgiving already underway or you're you're actually listening in and you've already um, put your leftovers in Tupperware containers, not to worry. Um, I'm going to focus on, you know, preserving those. holiday leftovers. And then I'm going to focus the second half on some money-saving tips so that while you're preparing and planning and shopping, you can start taking a, a, a nice broad look at how you can incorporate canning and preserving into your shopping and meal preparation for this Thanksgiving. So depending on where I caught you, um, I hope I've given you enough today to to get you get you some food in jars. How's that? All right, so let's start with the the easy one. Everybody knows that the common protein for Thanksgiving dinner is turkey. Now that doesn't mean that every household eats turkey. So for those of you that don't, what I'm about to share with you can easily be done with any poultry or waterfowl. So for those of you that got your hands on some Cornish game hens or you're just not a fan of turkey, and so you prefer chicken, or I know some individuals, especially you hunters out there, you love bringing out your duck. Um, All of this can be accomplished um, using the same time and temperature and processing methods uh, in pressure canning. 
So for turkey, let's just start there. If, if no matter how you've prepared it, let's say you've slow roasted, some of you like to deep fry. Um, there's no wrong way to prepare your turkey um, prior to canning it. All I will say though, is if you've already cooked it and it's a leftover, I would highly suggest we make either a broth or gravy to go along with that to avoid some of that lighter meat uh, drying out. Um, and I also highly encourage you to incorporate both light and dark meat in this recipe. Um, if you happen to be shopping and you, you see a special, uh, whether it be on turkey or uh, maybe just turkey breast, or like I said, Cornish game head, go ahead and grab some extra because if you are not looking at this from a leftover standpoint and you want to do some canning after your guests and family leave, um, you can preserve any poultry or waterfowl raw in a jar. It doesn't have to be pre-cooked. It's actually sometimes better it's not because the pressure canning process cooks the meat. So um, yeah, definitely we're going to go over both of them, but definitely know you can do this either way. All right. So turkey is going to be what's called, um, if we're doing this raw, we'll start there and then we'll hop back over to leftovers. If you're putting the meat in a jar raw, you do not need to add any liquid. You do not need to add any gravy. Um, you're welcome to add seasoning. And of course, you're welcome to add gravy. All I ask is that if you do, you please use clear gel, or it's also called canning gel, when making your gravy. Um, small bits of flour of, of gravy that's already made. I know some individuals have successfully uh, preserved their meat with flour made uh, gravy, but I do know for a fact that if you do and you don't eat it within three to five months after it being on your pantry shelf, it's going to gray and it's going to clump up pretty uh, nastily. It, it just doesn't seem to hold well. So keep that in mind when you're shopping. If you can get your hands on some clear gel or canning gel, it's usually found online. It's usually on Amazon. Um, a lot of your bakeries will have it um, and they sometimes will resell it or your Amish farms will also sell clear gel. But I myself sell it on my website at canningdiva.com. I know there's some other really well-known uh, farms out there that are also using the internet as a way to, you know, get this amazing product in the hands of the consumer. Uh, the reason I push this is because clear gel is the only approved thickening agent for home canning. And it's quite imperative that we use that when making gravies or if we want to thicken soups and stews or if we want to even add a touch to our relishes so that they're not overly runny, clear gel is the only thing you can use uh, without concern or worry. Um, is flour going to kill you if you use it? No, but over time it's going to be really gross and nasty. So I'd hate to see you waste all of that food. Um, and then um, if you don't want to use any gravy, meaning you're not going to need the clear gel, you're welcome to create a broth from the, either the turkey meat or you can just simply use chicken or vegetable broth. Um, but again, when you are preserving turkey raw in a jar, 
You do not need to add anything other than just the raw turkey. And I would cut it in, um, you know, two inch cubes. Um, you can uh, add both white and dark meat. And I encourage you to do that because turkey is inherently dry uh, when it cooks. So adding that bit of dark meat will give it some fat which will not harm anything in the canning process, but it'll help avoid that white meat from drying out while it processes. Um, what you're going to then do, whether it's raw, with or without gravy or broth, or if you've already cooked your turkey, let's say this is a day or two after Thanksgiving and you have leftovers, um, go ahead and um, place your cooked turkey into a jar and then make sure you're filling it with um, one up to one inch of headspace. So whether it's raw, with or without gravy, cooked with gravy, everything gets filled to one inch headspace. Now, for those of you that are new, um, we're going to break down some of these canning basic 101s in a, in a separate uh, episode. Uh, but just know that the one inch is the amount of space left over uh, in every jar. So you're going to use a headspace measuring to, to, tool to measure that. Um, so no matter how you're looking at this, whether it's cooked or raw, gravy or no gravy, broth or no broth, every pint or quart gets filled to one inch of headspace. Now, when you're processing this in a pressure canner, everything's going to go uh, 75 minutes for pints and 90 minutes for quarts. Now, depending on your pressure canner and your elevation, um, you're going to use anything from 10 PSI to 15 PSI. Now, for those of us in the Midwest with no elevation, if you have a weighted gauge canner, you're going to do 10 PSI. If you have a dial gauge canner like me, you're going to do 11 PSI. And for those of you new to canning, uh, PSI is a pressure for pounds of pressure for square inch. Um, but it really relates to the temperature. So we know that as we increase pounds of pressure, we are actually increasing temperature. And a pressure canner gets upwards of 260 degrees Fahrenheit, which is the only uh, safe temperature to kill harmful bacteria and pathogens, um, which would prevent us from preserving food. So um, no matter how you're doing your turkey, or how it was prepared, you can even get creative. And I'll go over a recipe here in a little bit, which would add some fun seasoning, spices, vegetables, just to, just to give it a little something. So we'll go over that in a little bit. So don't feel that, you know, as you're listening in, oh my gosh, I just don't want turkey in a jar. That just doesn't even sound appealing to me. Well, no worries. I have a way to incorporate it with some other things. So please continue to tune in. Uh, we're going to have a uh, we're going to end today's episode with a delicious recipe that's in the Complete Guide to Pressure Canning, and it's called Fall Pot Roast, and we get to incorporate uh, turkey with some fun other items, so stay tuned on that one. All right, so what else would you say is a Thanksgiving uh, side dish, you know, staple? It's something that you know, you or your family or your grandmother, somebody has always traditionally served it. Um, those of you like me, it has always been cranberries. And so cranberries, whether the family eats them or not, <laughs> they are there on the table, gorgeous in that fuchsia color, just, you know, beaming. And um, 
Yeah. They usually wind up being what gets touched. Usually, well, back when I was growing up, it was the adults. Now I'm the adult enjoying it myself. But yeah, my kids usually pass on those unless, of course, I create something very, um, I guess you could say creative. And before you know it, um, cranberries are are consumed and I'm getting asked for more. So I have two recipes. If you run into this in your household where cranberries are a staple, it's just become part of your tradition, but you wind up with so many left over. Um, especially if you make my, like I have a whole, uh, whole berry cranberry sauce that I make every year and I incorporate, um, orange juice, orange zest from the peel. And then I even muddle up some of the orange in, into the, um, sauce. Those of you like me, that that's, if that's how you make it and serve it, you can actually preserve it. So there's nothing you know, you need to change. Um, if you happen to have, well, just, you know, maybe I've done this before. I don't know about you, but I got a little excited because the cranberries were on sale and I ended up buying like six or eight bags. And when I started making the sauce, realizing, okay, Diane, this is not going to get eaten. Um, slow down, girlfriend. I left a couple bags in the crisper drawer. So if you're like me and you happen to have a couple bags left over, um, I have a delicious cranberry apple jam recipe that I'm going to share with you. So let's dive into cranberries here for a minute. Um, and again, no matter if you're making the berry sauce yourself, a uh, family recipe, uh, the processing is still the same. Cranberries are extremely high in acid. So whether it's my recipe or your family's, I'm going to go through the ingredients with you. And as long as there isn't anything too crazy in there, such as, um, I don't know, something really crazy, like if you throw meat in there, um, you can preserve it using a water bath canner. Um, as soon as you start dropping that acid by adding, you know, any vegetable or meat, um, the recipe I'm going to share with you no longer applies. So keep that in mind. Okay, so this recipe is from the Beginner's Guide to Canning. I wrote this and launched it actually uh, this year uh, in 2020. It, it launched May 5th. So frankly, I think it was quite a, a blessing in disguise that I was awarded this by my publisher because we all experienced, um, you know, the the aftermath of, of COVID Um coming into the United States. And we, for the first time, many of us saw the store shelves bare. And so we saw a huge uptick in individuals wanting to learn how to preserve food. So it was, it was a real blessing in disguise that Beginner's Guide to Canning came out um, right during the midst of this pandemic. So this recipe is on page 53 and it is called Whole Berry Cranberry Sauce. You're going to want to have eight cups of fresh cranberries, which equivocates to four 12-ounce bags, two cups of sugar, two cups of water, two cups of bottled orange juice, two large oranges. You're going to peel them, remove the pith, remove the seeds, of course, and you're going to chop that orange. You're going to want to have at least a half a teaspoon of ground allspice and a half a teaspoon of ground cloves on hand. Now, for those of you that don't like those two flavors, you can omit this from the recipe. Uh, for those of you that 
prefer allspice over cloves or vice versa, um, you may season it as you see fit. I'm just giving you the baseline guide for the recipe's flavor. Um, the beauty with dried herbs and seasonings, they don't affect the pH of a recipe. So we don't need to uh, be concerned if we omit them or add a little uh, dash or two of, of, you know, maybe your, your grandma's favorite recipe or what have you. Some individuals like to add a bit of vanilla. So nothing of that nature is going to negatively affect the pH of this recipe. So go ahead and get creative with your seasonings. All right. So what you're going to do now is combine in a large pot the cranberries whole, the sugar, water, orange juice, your chopped oranges, the allspice, and the cloves. And you're going to bring everything to a boil using a medium-high heat, okay? And if you happen to have a thick bottom stock pot, I would highly suggest using that, especially if stirring often to you means oh crap, I was working on something else and I got to race back over to, to stir it. Um, I, hey, been there, done that. I do it often. So for me, I really try and use a thick bottom uh, stainless steel stock pot. It just helps uh, because it, I do need some forgiveness because I am sometimes in 50 directions. <laughs> if you don't have a thick bottom pot, just make sure that you're standing there stirring it often because you do not want this to scorch and burn. Once you've brought it to a boil, reduce the heat to low, and you want to simmer this very gently for about 15 minutes, okay? Again, you're going to stir often, and while you're stirring this, muddle those orange pieces with your spoon. After 15 minutes, remove it from the heat, and now you're going to put your hot jars or warm jars uh, onto a cutting board, and you're going to funnel the sauce into the jars using a ladle. Now. Because we're water bathing, we're going to fill the jars, leaving a half an inch of headspace. And then, of course, remove any air bubbles using that air bubble remover tool. And if you happen to add um, or need to add a little bit more of that cranberry sauce to get that half inch, go right ahead and do so. As always, the Canning Diva advises to, to wipe all of your jar rims with a washcloth dipped in vinegar. Vinegar cuts through um, greasy substances, salty, uh, sugary, and sticky. It's just a really wonderful way to get that jar rim nice and shiny clean. And it also is a natural bacteria killer, so it kind of gives us a, a one-two punch. All right, go ahead and get those jars into the water bather. Make sure that they are covered with at least one inch of water. And then as always, the Canning Diva is always going to tell you, Vinegar is your best friend in the kitchen when you're canning. Add a couple tablespoons of vinegar to your canner water, and that'll help keep your glass jars pristine and clean. All right, bring that pressure, excuse me, bring that uh, water bather to a full rolling boil. Uh, make sure that lid is on there. Bring that to a full rolling boil. Once it's at a rolling boil, you then set your timer, and you're going to process this recipe, whether it's pints or quarts, for 15 minutes. Biggest thing, remember, do not start that timer until your water is at a full rolling boil. Once everything is done, okay, your timer has gone off, shut your burner off, let it sit there with the lid off for a good five, sometimes even 10 minutes. By not disturbing those jars, 
and letting them cool, you know, a little bit past, you know, get below the 212 degrees, maybe get down to, you know, a couple hundred, 185. Let it get cool before you disturb those jars and pick them up using a jar grabber or if you happen to have a waterproof canning mitt. Um, make sure that they rest for a minimum of five minutes and then place them onto a cutting board to allow them to cool. Reason I encourage you to do this, especially if you're pressure canning, the, the, the recipe is hot, it's active, it's, it's bubbling, right? And so what's going to happen is as soon as you disturb that vacuum seal process that happens, as soon as you disturb it, you could actually siphon some of that, that liquid or some of that sauce right out of there. Or you could bring it just up the jar side enough to where it gets onto that jar rim and then your lid won't seal. So keeping it um, in the canner, whether you're water bathing or pressure canning for at least five minutes or longer is going to help with the lids sealing. All right, so that is the whole berry cranberry sauce. You can actually make this recipe and serve it. So it doesn't actually even have to go into a jar. Just know you're going to yield quite a bit. Um, you could even serve half and preserve half. So this actually is going to be quite a benefit to you this Thanksgiving season and Christmas, because I know many of us will still serve cranberries during Christmas. So keep this recipe handy for those of you um, who are maybe driving or unable to jot anything down. Please know that this recipe is in the Beginner's Guide to Canning, and that can be found on Amazon. It's on page 53. All right, for those of you who have children like mine who just don't gravitate to cranberry sauce and they prefer things to be um, a bit more flavorful or used in other applications like jam, this recipe is also in the Beginner's Guide to Canning and it is on page 37. This one is called Cranberry Apple Jam. I'm going to give you the ingredients and the processes and I just won't run through every detail as, as lengthy because... This also is a water bath recipe, very simple to make. And um, for the sake of time, I'm going to just kind of run through this one a bit quicker because obviously we know how to make jam. We know how to use jam. And if you don't know how to make jam, uh, get a hold of me. Get Find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can also check me out at my website at cannydiva.com. If you need some more steps, tips, techniques, anything that I couldn't cover in this, this uh, episode, uh, feel free to head over there afterwards and uh, you, can, you can get some of that information. Okay. So what you want to make sure you have on hand for cranberry apple jam is at least three pounds of apples. That three pounds of apples is going to yield nine cups diced. Okay. Obviously you're going to peel these and core them and you're going to dice them at, at uh, the end of the day, you want to make sure you have nine cups total. You're also going to need four cups of fresh cranberries, four cups of sugar, one cup of apple juice, grated zest and juice of one lemon, one teaspoon of ground cinnamon, and one teaspoon of ground nutmeg. Now, for uh, those of you that, you know, have these extra cranberries on hand, this is the perfect recipe. But say, for instance, you only have maybe, you know, a couple uh, cups or just one bag. You can cut this recipe in half, which would be then 
uh, you would want to do four and a half cups of the diced apples, two cups of cranberries, two cups of sugar, a half a cup of apple juice. You'd still want that grated zest and juice of one lemon. And then you would do a half a teaspoon of ground cinnamon or a half a, and a half a teaspoon of ground nutmeg. Okay. All right. So for this recipe, we're going to start just a bit different. We're going to combine the apples, the cranberries, the sugar, and the apple juice in a large pot. As you can see, we didn't add the um, lemon juice, the zest, or the spices just yet. So just start with those three ingredients, bring them to a boil over medium-high heat, stirring frequently. Then reduce the heat to low and simmer for 15 minutes. You then will add the lemon zest and the lemon juice, the cinnamon and the nutmeg. Mix it well and simmer for an additional 10 minutes or until the jam begins to gel and stick to the spoon. Now, because this is jam, we're going to preserve these in either pints or half pints. Go ahead and place that jam into a warm jar using your funnel. And this time we're going to get it a bit more full to a quarter inch of headspace. As always, you're gonna wipe those jar rims with vinegar. You're gonna process this in a water bath and whether it's pints or half pints, they only need to process for 10 minutes. But again, do not set that timer until that water bather is at a full rolling boil. We have the cranberry apple jam recipe as well as the whole berry cranberry sauce recipe, both that can be found in the beginner's guide to canning. Um, created by yours truly. Thank you very much. I had a, a lot of fun working on this and uh, I really, I really hope that those of you that are new to canning utilize this amazing book that gives you practical and safe recipes, but also I, I want veteran canners, those of you that have been canning for quite some time to pick up a copy as well, because I'm telling you, I had a lot of fun and brought back a lot of nostalgia, honestly. Um, I kind of dug through some of, you know, Grandma Gould's old recipes. And, you know, I, I gave a somewhat of a modern twist. Um, I changed some flavors here and there because, you know, I, like all of us, we want to preserve food that we know our family is going to consume, right? Like there's nothing worse than putting, you know, 40 jars of something in the pantry and then nobody likes it or nobody wants to eat it. So um, I definitely encourage all of you veteran canners to take a peek. Even though it says beginner's guide, there's something in there for everyone. And you can find that at uh, on Amazon, canningdiva.com, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Target. Oh, and I got to tell you where else you can find it. I got to give a shout out. This I found this very exciting. A lot of your smaller bookstores are... Um, starting to pick this up and it just warms my heart. And I got an email from uh, somebody down in Wake Forest, North Carolina. The bookstore they were so excited to see my book in was page 158 books in Wake Forest, North Carolina. So for those of you in North Carolina tuning in, big shout out to you guys. Thank you so much for uh, making, you know, the the art and passion and joy of canning available to your community members. And I'm really happy that you put Beginner's Guide to Canning on your on your store shelves. Okay, so now let's switch gears here. We kind of talked about, you know, a couple items that you can, you know, put in a jar um, after Thanksgiving. 
Um, so go ahead and get creative. But if you, if I haven't been able to touch on something that you love to serve uh, over the holidays and you're curious if you can preserve it, send me a message on Facebook or Instagram and, and let's have a conversation because I would love to not only learn about some of the different traditions that take place in your home, but some of the recipes that we can find um, safe ways to get into a jar. Now, if I've caught you before you've gone shopping, okay, for all of your groceries to make your Thanksgiving holiday meal, um, this segment uh, or part of the segment of the episode is for you because look how excited I got. I couldn't even spit it out. <laughs> I love finding ways to incorporate home canning into everything I do. Um, those of you that know me, I, I am canning all year round. I don't just try and cram a year's worth of food into a three month, what most consider canning season. I am literally canning all year round. And that is something that I, I really work hard to uh, stress to individuals uh, as the canning diva. This isn't just a, a one-stop shop, you know, where you just, you know, get your stuff in a jar and then you put everything away. I mean, it truly is a way of life and, and, it, and it can be incorporated into every aspect of your everyday life. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, when, when we crank it out, we crank it out and we're exhausted and we're, we're stumbling into bed at 2 a.m. I get it. I'm not saying do that level of canning every day because we just probably physically couldn't. So when I say incorporate it into your everyday life, this is some really good examples. So Thanksgiving's coming up. They have a lot of specials right now. The turkeys are on sale. Cranberries are on sale. Sweet potatoes are on sale. There's still some pumpkins left over, right? From, you know, Halloween and that October. Uh, you've got a lot of your squash and uh, various root crops. I mean, I, my goodness, I just bought three pound bags of onions, uh, yellow onions for a dollar. I mean, there's some really good sales going on right now. And so I am. I implore you to... As you're making your list, um, go ahead and start thinking about what else you can put into a jar to capitalize on these amazing discounts that may not be here for very long, right? Because as soon as we we exit the holiday season, you know, the prices go right back up. So some of the things that um, I want you to think about, and go ahead and jot this down, some of the things I want you to think about while you're making your grocery shopping list are, uh, let's obviously we touched on sweet potatoes, sweet potatoes, you can peel and cube them and preserve them using a pressure canner just simply in water. And those are amazing jars to have on hand because, uh, you can then, you know, drain them and make a fresh pumpkin pie whenever you'd like. I drain them. Uh, we don't eat a lot of pies in my house, but we eat a lot of pumpkin bread and sweet potato bread and things of that nature, right? So whether it's sweet potatoes, pumpkins, squash, anything of that family, everything can be cubed, peeled, of course, and then preserved in water using a pressure canner. I also, um, those of you who are pet owners like myself, my golden retriever loves, you know, when I put two heaping tablespoons of sweet potatoes or sometimes pureed pumpkin, something of that nature, in his dog food. Um, it's fiber that is very important to especially large breed, large breed dogs. Um, it just it helps them go to the bathroom. So 
when you're canning and preserving and creating grocery lists, sometimes um, it's best to think about everybody in the household that's eating, whether we're on two legs or four. So uh, sweet potatoes, pumpkins, that's another one. Pumpkins. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't need to go buy more. I have two sitting on my front porch. So um, this weekend, I'm going to be uh, bringing those inside. I'm going to um, make pumpkin seeds with them. And then I'm going to peel them using a, the microwave. The microwave is the easiest way to soften and peel pumpkins and squash, uh, like your winter squashes, your acorn squash, your um, butternut squash. They're just very hard. So um, cutting those can be a real bear and sometimes dangerous. So uh, I use the microwave to soften that skin because what I'm excited to make with the pumpkin um, is my recipe called pumpkin with white beans and bacon. It is yummy. That one's in the complete guide to pressure canning. And I'll, I'll definitely do an episode where we focus solely on that because, um, well, I'm doing it in my home kitchen. So while I'm in my kitchen working on a recipe, I'm going to be sharing it right with all of you. That's the beauty of tuning into my podcast, Canning with the Diva. Um, I don't just talk about this food. I don't just talk about canning. I am living, breathing it, creating it every day in my home. So you can rest assured that I'm not some scripted uh, podcaster who just talks about it. I, I live and breathe it. So I'll, I'll do a whole episode on that recipe because I think, I think I've already piqued some interest there. Um, cranberries, obviously, we talked about, you know, if you can grab some extra ones of those because they're on sale. There's even a really delicious cranberry salsa recipe out there that I highly encourage you to take a peek at. Um, cabbage is something that's on sale right now. Now, some individuals get real funny. <laughs> The National Center for Home Food Preservation doesn't recommend canning cabbage. They don't really tell you why until you do some digging, and it has nothing to do with safety, unfortunately. It's because of its pungent smell and its pungent flavor after being preserved in a jar. It's not because it's not safe. My goodness, our ancestors have been doing this for centuries, people. So be careful when you see a lot of those fear mongers and naysayers out there. You can absolutely can cabbage. And I have a delicious cabbage soup recipe and, of course, sauerkraut. You know, if you want to make raw sauerkraut instead of going through the painstaking process of, um, you know, doing the traditional crock sauerkraut, you can grab some cabbage while it's on sale and make raw sauerkraut and, and store that in your refrigerator throughout the winter and spring. So keep that in mind when you're shopping and making your Thanksgiving list uh, of groceries. Also right now, as we head into winter, oranges become far more popular and more reasonably priced, especially if you're like me and you're in the Midwest, you're not in those warmer climates where it's readily available. So orange marmalade is one of my family favorites. So keep that in mind when you're shopping this season. Also, Brussels sprouts. Now, Brussels sprouts can be pickled. Oh my gosh, those are amazing. I believe I have um, that recipe on my website at canningdiva.com. Um, but I also incorporate them into the recipe called fall pot roast that we're going to talk about here. I'm going to close today's segment with this delicious recipe because regardless if I'm catching you you know, as we approach Thanksgiving or shortly thereafter, if I'm catching you in the spring, you can still enjoy and savor the flavor of Thanksgiving 
by way of home canning. So this recipe called fall pot roast can be made any time of the year. So if you want to pop a, a pop a lid in May and taste the, the nostalgia of Thanksgiving, you can do so. All right, so let's dive into this recipe. It's on page 180 of my cookbook, The Complete Guide to Pressure Canning. This one uh, I published uh, last year. Oh my goodness. I can't believe how fast time, or was it the year before? <laughs> Holy crap. We really have, uh, I've been cranking out the cookbooks, you guys. I'm, I'm working on another one um, uh, with my publisher right now. I'll, I'll share more details on that later. But uh, yeah, this was... To 2018. So it's been two years. My goodness, where does the time go? All right. So fall pot roast. Uh, this is going to make approximately seven quarts or 14 pints. Okay. And you do not need to have turkey on hand for this. You can make this recipe with chicken. Okay. Um, I know it sounds a, lot or a little counterintuitive when we say the word pot roast, but um, you can do turkey, chicken. You can even use uh, pork, if you so choose. Okay. Um, for those of you that are hunters or have hunters in your family and you're trying to clean out that freezer, this is another good recipe to utilize some of that meat and uh, get it out of the freezer for the fresh to come in and go ahead and make this recipe and, and preserve it in a jar for your family to enjoy at any time. Okay. Now, whether it's a whole turkey or a whole chicken or a Cornish game hen, um, doesn't matter to me. Just make sure you're looking at roughly seven to nine pounds, okay? Uh, the goal is to yield um, a decent amount so that you have an even um, portion in each jar. You're also going to need 16 cups of water, three pounds of Brussels sprouts. Make sure you remove those outer leaves. Four medium sweet potatoes. You're going to peel those and you're going to cut them into two-inch cubes. Four medium sweet potatoes should yield approximately six cups. Now, we've all seen it in the store. My medium might be different from your medium. So I always tell individuals, buy one extra to err on the side of caution. If you wind up with five cups or five and a half, don't fret. You can still make this recipe. It's not going to throw off the pH. Just know that your jars will have a bit less sweet potato than what was intended. But don't panic and certainly don't drop everything to race back out to the store. That also goes with the carrots. So you're going to want to have four large carrots. You're going to peel those and you're going to cut them into three inch thick uh, round slices. Okay. Uh, you're going to want to yield about four cups. Now, again, depending on the size of the carrot, you can typically get one cut of one cup of cut <laughs> sliced or diced carrot out of one large carrot, okay? But again, err on the side of caution, you wanna get four cups. You also want one large onion, which should yield two cups of coarsely chopped. So uh, let's run through that again before I go into the next. One whole turkey, chicken, or Cornish game hen. Cornish game hens are small, you might need two. You wanna yield about seven to nine pounds of that raw weight, okay? 16 cups of water, three pounds of Brussels sprouts, four medium sweet potatoes to yield six cups cubed, four large carrots cut into three inch pieces so that you may yield four cups. One large onion coarsely chopped so you may yield two cups. 
Now we're gonna need six garlic cloves. You're gonna just smash them. You can mince them. If you already have pre-minced uh, garlic in your refrigerator, you may use that. A quarter cup of olive oil, one teaspoon of coarse sea salt, a half a teaspoon of fresh cracked black pepper, one cup of dried cranberries, and a third cup of clear gel. Now the clear gel is optional. If you want to have this a bit thicker, using that clear gel kind of like a gravy base, then you'll want to have that clear gel on hand. If you don't have access to clear gel or you don't care to have it uh, gravy based, you don't need to, to worry about it, okay? All right, so you're gonna preheat your oven to 400 degrees. While that oven is preheating, in a large stock pot, combine the turkey or the chicken, the game hen, and the water, and you're gonna bring it to a boil over medium-high heat. You're gonna boil that poultry for 30 minutes or until it's cooked through. Remove it from the stock pot, set it aside, let it cool, but be sure to reserve all that cooking liquid because that is gonna become a broth. Place the Brussels sprouts, sweet potatoes, carrots, onion, and garlic in a roasting pan. Drizzle the vegetables with olive oil and sprinkle them with the coarse sea salt and the cracked pepper. Place it in the oven and roast for 15 minutes, mixing once, and then roast for an additional 10 minutes. When you're done, let the pan of vegetables rest on the stovetop to slightly cool. Pull the meat from the bones, being sure to freeze that carcass so you can later use it for stock or soup in the future. You wanna tear and cut the meat into bite-sized pieces, and please be sure to use both the light and the dark meat. All right, so now what you're going to do is you're gonna add the meat to the roasting pan that has the vegetables, and you're gonna mix well because you wanna distribute all of those flavors. Add one cup of broth to the roasting pan and return it to the oven for five minutes. What we're trying to do here is permeate those flavors. We want everything to mix and, and blend well. After five minutes, remove, it from the, uh, remove the roasting pan from the oven, mix in the dried cranberries and set aside. Now the goal here is to use a slotted spoon so that you can evenly distribute one inch and we're going to eyeball that additional quarter inch. So you really want there to be some air left in that jar because we have to allow for the um, jar to swell because it's going to get very hot and all that food, I should say the food in the jar is going to swell. Um, all that food is going to start getting active. And if we aren't careful and we don't give it enough headspace, we could possibly have an issue with the lid not sealing because the food got up on that lid. Okay. So go ahead, leave a generous one inch headspace and make sure as you're filling each jar, don't fill one at a time. Try to evenly space out the ratio of turkey or chicken, you know, the poultry uh, and vegetable ratio. You want there to be an even amount per jar because think about it, you're going to heat this up and eat it later, right? Now we're going to make the gravy. If you do not have clear gel and you don't want the gravy, go ahead and just follow the rest of the recipe using just that broth that was made. 
Otherwise, if you are going to make the gravy and you happen to have that clear gel on hand, um, here's the next step. To make the gravy, place the roasting pan on medium-high heat and add two cups of broth. You're going to deglaze that roasting pan by stirring and scraping it to loosen up any of the brown drippings. You're going to bring that to a boil, and then you're going to add an additional four cups of broth, but you're first going to whisk in a third cup of clear gel. So using a whisk, just whisk it in there so that it properly dissipates. And then you're going to add that to the roasting pan, mix it well, bring it to a boil for one minute, and then remove it from the heat. So now you're going to ladle that hot gravy into the jar and you're going to maintain that generous one inch headspace. Now, the goal here is to use that headspace measuring tool, uh, flip it over, it now becomes an air bubble remover tool and you're going to wanna make sure that there is no air bubbles and that the gravy properly surrounds all of the food. Wipe each jar rim with a washcloth dipped in vinegar and then go ahead and get those lids and rings on there. And you're gonna process this in a pressure canner. Um, depending on the canner you have and your elevation, standard elevation is going to be uh, 10 PSI if you happen to have a weighted gauge, 11 PSI for a dial gauge. If you are in high elevation, obviously you're gonna be 15 PSI. And then you are going to process quart jars for 90 minutes and pint jars for 75 minutes. So one thing I want to leave you folks with before we sign off here is if you are not a fan of Brussels sprouts, don't worry about it. You can omit them from this recipe and replace that four cups with a vegetable of your choice. Uh, say, for instance, you like butternut squash or you want to increase the amount of sweet potatoes and carrots, you may do so. Just don't exceed four cups. That way you don't um, play with that yield and, and wind up with um, more or less. Um, thank you all so much for tuning in. I am super excited for you to create some of these recipes. One of the favorite ways I have made my fall pot roast is instead of Brussels sprouts, I have added beets. Now, obviously it changes the color, but oh my goodness, I love beets and the flavors are amazing. So you can get creative. That's the beauty of pressure canning. The pH is all going to stay the same no matter if you use a Brussels sprout, a butternut squash, or a beet. Um, you can get creative as long as you keep within those ratios. So super excited. For those of you who haven't purchased the Complete Guide to Pressure Canning, I advise you to do so. Check it out on Amazon, CanningDiva.com, Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, anywhere books are sold. But thank you again for tuning in. I look forward to our next episode. Happy canning. Thank you for listening. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Canning with the Diva. For tips, recipes, and techniques, please visit us online at canningdiva.com. 